You are about to listen to a sermon from Common Ground Church in Rapid City, South Dakota. We hope to see you in person. For more information, visit commongroundcma.org. God's measurement of good. Well, my meter doesn't even register that. <laughs> so that's why we go to his word so that he can define these things and explain these things to us. So chapter one, again, we're seeing God basically calling us into this holiness through a faith relationship in Jesus Christ. So this book is really written for people. And I guess you might even say that this message is really for people who have made that decision to trust Jesus Christ. If there's anybody listening today and they are not there, I would hope that this message would be a benefit to you as well. Because if we were listening to God's word as his followers, it should not just make a difference in our lives. It should be making a difference in the lives of everyone around us. So as we went through chapter 2, we began to see what holiness looked like. It, It really comes down to courtesy and respect in our relationships towards other people. Now, that's not the whole definition of of it, but it's an aspect of it. And we see courtesy and respect towards our governing officials, even when they're sometimes unjust to us. Courtesy and respect in our marriage relationships. Courtesy and respect towards our our work relationships. And we're going to see as we get into this passage today, pretty much courtesy and respect overall to people all around us. So, this was my week last week. Some of you know I'm in the process of selling a house while in the process of buying a house at the same time, which is good because then I'm not homeless for for a little while. But it's also incredibly stressful, especially when your buyer doesn't make the closing date like they're supposed to. It's not really the buyer's fault. It's more their realtor that dropped the ball on us. So now that's rolling downhill all the way to the person I'm buying a house from. <laughs> it's involving a lot of people, and it's it's making the stress and the tension just kind of ramp up a little bit to the point where I'm going, why did I even do this? <laughs> why don't I just live where I've been for so long? But uh, that happens in life. We start to make a move. We start to make a change, and something comes our way that says, oh, man, you should probably rethink this. Maybe it's not as a good idea as you, as you think it might be. And I think we experience that constantly. Okay. Now, on top of trying to sell a house and buy a house, we have been hailed upon twice. Two different storms. One was a solid 20-minute dump of hail. I've never seen anything like that before. And it totally destroyed my roof and totaled our vehicles. Okay, so we got the insurance going on top of trying to buy a house, sell a house, all those things. That's increased the stress hell just just a little bit there as well. And then uh, that was like three weeks ago. And then Thursday it happened again, only this time it wasn't 20 minutes of hail. It was a very brief time of hail dropping down, but they were this big. So our already kind of dimpled up cars are really ripply looking now. Uh, if you see them go by, it's just kind of this little effect as uh, the sun catches all the dents. And our shingles are now flying off of our roof. Uh, thankfully, they haven't been replaced yet. That, that's, that's still to happen. But I'm learning, well, how do you do this? How do you sell a house and then in the midst of ha- all that have to, have to deal with a, a, an insurance claim? And, and I just, I kind of find myself just, you know, getting that little migraine thing starting in my head where I can't even think straight. Okay. And that's just life. That's, that's just life. And we're all living life, right? And sometimes life can kick you in the teeth. Sometimes it can be hard. Sometimes it can be really stressful. 
But how are we all doing with the fact that uh, we're living life in the age of COVID-19? And we haven't been able to assemble together as a church. Um, some of us haven't been able to go to our jobs. Uh, some of us just have given up doing normal things that we do in life, right? Like going out and, and things like that, sitting down with friends in a, in a public venue. Um, all of that has been on top of us now for uh, quite a number of weeks, and it's stressing us out. It's wearing us out. Um, we may not realize it, but we're starting to get beat down by all of this. And then with that happening, uh, we saw that video, that horrible, horrible video of what happened uh, to a man and something that never should have happened to him. And again, as I said, I think, I think we've been a little isolated here, maybe insulated to some of these things that have been happening. But when we see this video, boy, that's the one that breaks the camel's back, right? <laughs> and, and people are rightfully speaking up. People are rightfully going to the streets and saying, there's got to be a change. And when you see all the frustration, when you see even some of the, 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 the horrible things that have happened on the streets, um, it should be an indication to us that as people, as human beings, we're not doing so hot. Life is really kicking us. I don't know about you, but there was a couple times last week when I was wondering if the uh, four writers of the apocalypse were opening their world tour or something. Because it just seems to be one thing after another. And who knows what tomorrow will hold. Well, boy, if we ever lived in a time where we need to hear God's word from First Peter, it's, it's today. Uh, the people that Peter wrote this to, the Christians that he was uh, addressing in this letter were people that were experiencing a very tough life. It just, you know, one day was bad and the next day got worse. Uh, they were living in a time when it was certainly not popular to be Christians. Okay? And hardship and suffering began to strike them. And Peter's advice was, hey, live a different life. Live an entirely different life. And uh, this is what I know about human nature, and this is what I think has been revealed to us in the past, is we don't like change. We talk about it, but when it comes down to actually doing it, we kind of revert back to the status quo. We like our comfort zones. <laughs> we like it easy. Um, change is scary. Change is frightening. And I believe that we live in a time right now that especially in the United States of America, we need to see immense change. How to make that happen? I don't know. I don't know how to change something that systemically has been broken for a long time. But this is all I do know. Change is hard. Change takes a long time. But change has got to have a start. And now is our day to start. And I believe that when God addresses us through his word, he says, here. Start here in your own very heart. So let's look at the text, First Peter. I'm just going to kind of zip through this text today because the sun's hot and I don't want to cook anybody out there. I'm comfortable. I'm in the shade. That means I could preach for hours. You don't want that. <laughs> so I'm going to try to change right here. Short sermon. So here it is, uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Finally. 
After everything that he's just said in the first two chapters, he says, finally, now like most preachers, he's going to go for a couple more chapters, but finally, (laughs) all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for this for to this you were called that you might obtain a blessing for whoever desires to love life and this is a quotation from psalm 34 whoever desires to love life and see good days let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit let him turn away from evil and do good let him seek peace and pursue it For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So we'll just start there with that point. And and Peter just laid down five qualities that I think are good for my heart to consider uh, when it comes down to where does change begin. Uh, he gave these five qualities. First one, he talked about being uh, unit, united in mind. Uh, you might have a version, of, uh, an English version of the Bible that says to be harmonious. This implies that there's cooperation where there are individual differences. Did you catch that? I think we more and more as a people are beginning to think that everybody's got to think the exact same way that I do. Where in reality, harmony happens when things are different. If you've ever listened to a choir, not everybody's a bass. Not everybody's a tenor or a soprano or an alto. All four very different voices work together to produce that harmony. And we as a people need to remember that. That our differences are what create harmony. The key word there is cooperation. Can I learn through Jesus Christ, to cooperate even with those who might think differently or live differently than I do. The second one is to be sympathetic. And this means to suffer with another by entering into the sharing of their feelings. It's not compassion from a distance, you know. And that's, that's the easy way. You say, oh man, I feel real bad about that. When I, when I watched the video... And saw what happened in Minneapolis. Uh, I got sick. It physically turned my guts. And the easy thing is to say, I feel really bad for him and his family. (laughs) The hard thing is to say, I need to step into that. That man said he could not breathe. How many others are feeling the same way? And how do I, as as a white man in Rapid City, South Dakota... Learn how to step into that and say, if you can't breathe, let me be your voice. Let me breathe. How do I do that? Teach me. And and to do that requires a lot of steps that come after this one or a lot of qualities that come after this one. Uh, he spoke of brotherly love. And, and this brotherly love that he talked about was this special affection that we're supposed to have, like just like in a family. We're, we're a human family. And we have to relearn again to love one another as as a family, as brothers and sisters. He said, be tender-hearted. Other versions might say kind-hearted. And, and again, that comes down to compassion towards others. It means to feel deeply for others. Uh, but most especially, it means gentleness. I, I think as a human race, we have lost our way in being gentle towards others. 
Um, it's easy to be gentle towards the person that are gentle towards me. But the reality is, is I need to learn how to be gentle towards all people. And especially when they disagree with me. Especially when they might be throwing flame my way. Uh, how do I turn around and show gentleness towards them? And then I think the key to all of these was the fifth uh, element that Peter shared in there when he says that we should be humble in spirit. Um, when we're humble in spirit, then that means that like Jesus, we're going to put other people's interests before our own. Like Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. Not just to think of our own interests merely, but to look out for the interests of others. If we've been watching the news in the last few weeks, and especially in the last week or so, I think we've seen how starkly the need is being presented to us to look out for the needs of others and not just think of ourselves. I think what Peter was saying to us, basically in a nutshell, is we should have each other's backs. In this time that we live in, in these days that we are facing now more than ever, we should have one another's backs. And especially if we call ourselves a follower of Jesus Christ, of all people, we should scream against injustice. Of all people, we should pursue kindness in every relationship. Of all people, we should seek to walk humbly with our God so that others would know what that looks like. I mean, that was the scripture of Micah 6.8, of what God really requires of a person, those three things. And now we have that opportunity to do that. And to do that means that we'll be living a completely other than life. A life of Jesus Christ lived out by faith. But the passage continues. I'm going to hit it just real quick here. It says, now, who is there to harm you if you are devoted to what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts honor Christ as the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you, have, when you are slandered, those who revile you for your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil now again so many things that I could talk about in this verse but the thing that keeps kind of screaming out me at me is 1st Peter chapter 315 and again something that I think that we have forgotten as Christians when someone asks why our response should readily be from our hearts because Christ is the one governing our hearts. Not our own selfishness, not our own tendencies, not our own likes or dislikes. It should be Christ alone that governs our heart. That's what it means when it says, set Christ apart as holy in your heart. That he's the sole governor of what goes on there. Oh, that brings me to him every single day. Every single day and every single minute of the day because it's so easy for me to stray off from that. <laughs> and, and and it says to, to be ready to give an answer. Man, I, I have been with Christians that could argue the socks off of people. They're real good at winning fights. But I don't think that's what this verse tells us to do. 
It just says when someone says, why? Why do you live the way that you do? <laughs> why? You know, I've I noticed, I noticed that you strive to be harmonious. I, I noticed that you, that you're sympathetic towards people far different than you. I, I've noticed that, that you exercise brotherly kindness and affection, a gentleness towards others, a, that you possess a, a humility. Where in the world does that come from? Well, we should have an answer for that. And that's a very friendly. Sometimes the questions we get could be a little aggressive. Sometimes they could be a little uh, um, off-putting. <laughs> but they're still questions. And we're told to answer gently and respectfully. You know why that is? Because that's the Christ the heart. Uh, the, not the Christ part. The heart of Christ. If you ever wondered, well, what is Christ's heart? What is it like exactly? Well, I think he revealed it to us in Matthew chapter 11 when he says, Come to me, all who labor and all who are heavily laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. There it is. That's the heart of Jesus. And that's the heart that this whole world should see displayed from us. Humble. Gentle. Towards other people. You know, I find it interesting that the name of this particular gathering of Christians that meets at the normally at the creamery is called Common Ground. And I think that that's a really good name and a good challenging name for us because I think that it's time for us to learn to find the common ground that we share with other human beings. For too long, we've put that under the rug. And we're just like, well, I'm good. I'm good, and the people I hang out with are good. But in reality, we're called to step into this world just as Jesus Christ did and demonstrate a heart like Jesus has. And it's really not that hard to do. I think a white person can find common ground with a black man or a Native American man, a people of a different race, if we're willing to seek for it. You can go back earlier in the verse, that quotation out of, out of uh, Psalm 34 where it says, Seek peace and pursue it. That's part of looking for common ground. I think we can find common ground with every community outside of the community of Jesus Christ. Now, finding common ground doesn't mean that we're all going to agree. It doesn't mean that we're all going to endorse each other's belief systems. But it does mean that we can say, I can stand here with you and treat you like a human being with value and worth. When I went to Scotland, we went on a pub crawl. That was fun. In Edinburgh. And they had to stop us. There's about, oh, about 30 or so of us on this pub crawl. And they, this guy in a kilt, <laughs> he stopped us on these steps. He got up above us where he could speak to all of us. And he says, now I've got to give you the rules to the pub crawl. Because there's rules for those things. And so we all just kind of dutifully listened because we wanted to get to the next place we were going. And I don't remember all the rules that he gave us, but he gave us a lot of them. But I do re- remember rule number one. And I cannot repeat it because the Scots, I can't repeat it word for word, because the Scots vocabulary is a little bit different than ours. They drop F-bombs left and right. And to them, it's just normal vocabulary. For us, it's a lack of vocabulary when we use it. Okay, So I'm going to clean it up a little bit, and I'm going to use the word jerk. Because okay? we all know what a jerk is. 
people have been jerks to us. We've been jerks to people. Everybody's a jerk in one way or another, right? So out of all the rules that this guy gave us that night, he said the first rule of pub crawl, don't be a jerk. Simple as that. I sometimes wonder if really that's what God means with everything that he's told us. That he just looks down on us and says, don't, don't, don't be jerks to each other. And and just that alone makes me say, God, I need my heart to change. I need it to be the heart of Jesus Christ. Well, then his passage ends with, Christ also suffered once for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. And I'm just going to close with that part there. Because it, it again comes back to Jesus Christ. It's not about, about us and who we are and what we can do. It's about what Jesus Christ did for us, each and every single one of us. Because there was a time when each and every single one of us were all jerks in the eyes of God. And he could have said, I'm done with you. But instead it says that he came and he suffered for our sakes. He suffered when he didn't have to, he put our interests ahead of his own <laughs> so that we would know what it's like to live harmoniously with him, <laughs> what it's like to have a gentle spirit, what it's like to be sympathetic. He's demonstrated all those things to us, and now he calls us to walk in it. So, we are living in a time where, as Christians, we can just worry about our own stuff. I can just worry about buying a house or selling a house, getting my insurance company on top of the hail claim and things like that. That's all I could, I could make my whole day about that. But that's not what God has called me to. He has called me to the downtrodden. He has called me to those who are suffering injustice. He has called me to those who are discouraged and frustrated. He has called me to those who are angry. And fed up. He has called me to those that that are mad at him, even. He has called me to those that don't like me. And he has called me to display a different heart than what I used to show the rest of humanity. So I would close with this. We need to protest more than any other people. Christians should be leading the charge to protest. To protest evil. To protest wickedness. To protest injustice. But we got to remember that the protest begins here. I have to protest my own evil. My own wickedness. My own sin. You know, in fact, I don't have any jurisdiction whatsoever over any of your sins. None. God hasn't given me that. But he has given me the responsibility to change what's in my own heart. But I don't think protest is enough. I think we are also in need of revolution. That means a complete turnaround. And again, if you look in the Bible, revolution is really something that begins with repentance. No real lasting change comes unless there's a change of heart. 
And we can't expect the, the change of, of a police department's heart to change if, if our hearts aren't willing to change. So we begin with protest and then we go to a revolution, a revolution of repentance that sweeps over this, this land that makes us say, you know, I'm sorry for the way things there are. Can we do better? Can we do better? I think we can. And then finally, what good is a protest and what good is a revolution if we don't have a few demonstrations too? And now more than ever, does this world need to see the church demonstrate Christ to those around us? Not just those who are like us, but especially to those who are not like us. These are challenging times that we live in. We could choose to just go hide under a rock. We can choose to get on Facebook and just passive-aggressively yell at each other about our opinions and whatnot. Or we can go to people that are far different than us and say, you know, I'm sorry that life is the way it is. Let's do better. And let it start with me. Let it start here. So Common Ground, I challenge you and I invite you to live the good life. To live a life that's not measured by our own righteousness or obeying the rules or that sort of thing, but living the life of Jesus Christ himself because nobody lived life better than him. And he did it so that we could. So let's make this world a different place. Let's, let's make our society a different society. Let's make our culture a, a different culture. But let it begin by saying, God, give me a different heart. Put a new heart in me. A lowly and gentle heart. Let's pray. Father, I think a lot of us would wish not to see the times that we're living in right now. But they are our times now. And I think that I can speak for a lot of people that we just don't know what to do in some cases. Well, Lord, show us, teach us, help us to step up. Um, Lord, we do not want to retreat just into our little safe places, but we want to know how, how can we step out and bring change. And Lord, the way we do it doesn't have to look the same. Some people might be in the streets crying out, and that needs to be done. Some of us need to sit down with the policymakers. Some of us might need to have to step in between two warring individuals and seek to bring peace. God, we need peace in our world. And, 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 and not just that the end of strife, Lord, but the, the peace that makes us live together as human beings and to look out for one another. Lord Jesus came to us and he looked out for us and he gave everything he had for us when we were not on his side. Lord, may we do the same. And as we do, may we represent Jesus to this world and may they see him in us like they've never seen him before because we need that. We need that. So, Lord, thank you for allowing us to gather here today. Thank you for allowing us to look into some scripture that that is addressing some really tough things in our life. 
And, and Lord, again, I don't think just listening to a sermon, I don't think just preaching a sermon makes a difference. <laughs> but it's a beginning. It's what we do with it now. So, Lord, let there be change. And let there be a start today. We ask in our Savior's name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. Please join us again at Common Ground Church.